Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome everybody to the show. Uh, today is our first annual back to school special, a little bit deep into back to school, but I think that, you know, gives us time to have some analysis, look back on the first couple of weeks um, so that we have something to process here. We have enough people here today who are either teachers, teacher adjacent, students, student adjacent, or all three of us, I think at one time, were just straight up students as young people um, to have a conversation about what's going on in education, our relationships to education now, uh, a specific story that's unfolding in California that I'll, I'll give an overview for in a minute. Uh, but first, let me say welcome to our back to school special and welcome to our guest, Kat, who Kat, at this point, you're not even a guest. You're just part of the crew. Um, but welcome to the show. In any case, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And with us, as always, our fearless leader, the person who keeps us on task and sounding good. One of my favorite people in the world, Iming Piazzai. Thanks for being here today, Iming. You sell that so well. I mean, I mean every word of it, you know, <laughs> I don't say it. I'm not reading from a script, you know, I just, um, as I'm talking, I think, how would I like to introduce Eming? And those are the words that come out. Uh, but I'm going to be coming to you a lot today, Eming, because I, you've said some very interesting things about uh, education and kids and teaching and your own experiences are illuminating. So I'm always excited when you agree up front to be an active participant in our discussions because you wear a lot of hats. In blood. You wear a lot of hats, you know, you're our producer. You have to make sure our sound is good while we're recording. You edit. Um, and I know it's not easy to juggle all that and then still say profound and insightful things, but you find a way. And so I will continue to find a way to drag you into the conversation, even if you're kicking and screaming. Fair? Well, it's mainly because we've done it for like 60 some episodes and I, I have, I've like, it's become a, like a built in response now to you. But yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I never listened to Howard Stern very much, but he was such a pop culture figure that it was hard to escape. So I know that he had that woman who what was that woman's name that was like Robin Robin. Yes. And I felt like Robin was the best person on that show. I didn't really like Howard Stern very much. I'm not like bagging on him, but I wasn't like, oh, Howard Stern is, you know, this amazing radio host. But Robin really was always the voice of reason in there. And she was very patient with Howard, who could be pretty ridiculous. And I think dare I say it, there's a bit of a Howard Stern, Robin dynamic developing here, E-Main, where I can be a bit much and you're the voice of reason who gets everything done. Is that fair to say? I can tell by your silence that you might not be totally on board with that comparison. <laughs> or, or, I don't know. If you, if, if you guys watch a lot of TV, like Frasier, Russell, I think of you as Frasier oh. and E-Main, you're wrong. Hi, please. <laughs> Wow. That's more relatable to me. <laughs> that is that is very hot. I think I think she liked that. I think she liked that analogy. So that was for you. <laughs> I like the analogy too. I mean, Frazier, you know, he was he was an intellectual man. You know what I'm saying? He Frazier was a classy dude. So I, you know, I'm happy to be compared to Frazier. Thank you. Thank you. And Roz. I mean, you know, Roz got the job done. I'll take that. Let's do it. Frazier and Roz. Back at you with our back to school special. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for chiming in with that cat. That's actually very helpful to us. Oh, that is my job. Yeah. 
let me frame the conversation around uh, the piece of news that got us talking, the three of us anyway. Uh, and this is something that's happening in California, but it has national implications or at least gives us an opportunity to talk about education all over the country and the world, really. Um, but I'm reading from the CBS News website. This is local CBS SF Bay Area. Uh, and the headline is California bars elementary and middle schools from suspending students for, quote, willful defiance, right? Gavin Newsom, uh, the governor of California, is saying that you can't suspend kids in elementary and middle, middle school for willful defiance. Whatever willful defiance is, I mean, I'm sure it's whatever I was getting suspended for when I was in school. Um, it just sounds, the phrase to me sounds very German. You know, it's like willful defiance. What is that? Just like not doing what I just told you to do. Uh, yes. And it turns out right. that's the answer. Um, so uh, the, the story reads, California's elementary and middle school students won't be suspended for things like falling asleep in class. Sweet. Uh, or talking back to the teacher. Also pretty tight under a bill signed by the state's governor. Uh, and this sounds like a pretty progressive shift. You know, they want to limit suspensions. Uh, when I read a story like this, the first thing that comes to mind is the school to prison pipeline, which is something we talk a lot about in criminal justice reform circles about kids behavior, getting policed, uh, and like the punitive nature of school and police presence at school, kind of priming kids or setting kids on a path to the criminal justice system. You know, a kid like takes somebody else's calculator and ends up getting, uh, criminal charges pressed against him. This isn't so relevant to that, but conceptually, we're talking about the environments of school maybe being less punitive. Um, those are some of the themes that are suggested to me. But this also comes in the context of a lot of other really progressive things that uh, the state of California is doing right now. You know, the front page of the New York Times today had a story about all this new legislation. Their headline was, for California liberal policies at warp speed, Trump agenda inspires a state of resistance. That's its own topic that we could choose to unpack or not uh, on a future episode. But I think this fits into that context because I think most people are receiving uh, this policy as progressive because you don't want schools to be punitive places uh, and you don't want to exclude children from education because they talk back to the teacher or go to sleep. The kids sleeping in school, there's something else going on. You know, it suggests that maybe that's a kid that needs support and not someone who needs to be suspended. Although when you get suspended, you get to sleep. So maybe that does kind of solve the problem. But that's why I'm the host and not the person providing the analysis. <laughs> uh, the person providing the analysis tonight is Kat, one of our favorite people on the show who now is planning her own spinoff, which that's how far we've come at Quest On. Our podcasts have spinoffs. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Um, but I know that you are an educator, Kat, and you work with kids. I'm sure that your uh, read on this is different from mine because all I'm thinking about is when I was a kid and got in trouble in school. What was your response to this story or what are your thoughts on this development? When I first read it, I I was like, okay, cool. That, to me, it was like common sense to have that because um, I moved to California around 10 years ago. And for most of my time here, I've been working in different schools, so mostly elementary and middle school. In my experience, I've seen kids written up for really bizarre things where I was like, really? That's that's a problem? I didn't see that as a problem when I was a child. To extreme stuff where I was like, now nah, that kid needs to be expelled. So it's like I've seen the extremes from both sides. 
So reading this, I was like, okay, so now we have kind of like a common ground. I feel like some teachers, depending on the teacher, depending on the school, they were taking advantage of the suspension program where it was more of like, get them out of my class, almost in kind of like a, a revenge, a vengeful tactic where they were like, you know, it's your problem, whatever. I just need you out of my class because you can't listen or you can't do the work. And so they would spend these kids like nothing. It was crazy. And, um, but then there were certain other kids, you know, that have done, I felt worse things where they were hurting other kids or hurting the teacher, damaging property. And they were under the same umbrella of, oh yeah, just suspend them. And then they come back in like a few days. Like that was extreme too. So having this kind of builds a common ground of, okay, so the standard of what is okay, maybe we can work on if this kid falls asleep or this kid doesn't listen to the teacher. Are they physically hurting anyone? No. Are they physically damaging anything? No. So that's, I feel like, something that the school or district can work on and having steps to probably building a relationship and helping that kid. Because I feel like, you know, that's something you can mold and help make the kid be better. At the same time, the kids are doing extreme stuff, you know, I feel like we need to still kind of have something for them to, because expelling is easy, but there's, there's a whole process for that because the school has to document that. And so with this law in effect, I feel like that's the first stepping ground as far as like, you guys can't just write up anybody, you know, anything is not anything that goes. You have to have a certain guideline, which makes sense so um i think what made me kind of give a sigh of relief you know most of the schools i've worked in deal with children who are black and brown and with those schools those schools are getting the most suspensions and stuff for everything and i feel like maybe that was a part of why this law had to be in effect because they were looking at data and they were seeing wow has a lot of suspensions. This school has a lot of suspensions. What can we do to kind of, you know, lower the number? And the best thing to do was kind of set a standard board for what is okay to suspend and what is not okay. And so I feel like, you know, falling asleep, that is not suspension at all. Um, I work at a school where we really take the time to be in the children's life at home and at work. And so if a kid's sleeping, you know, we try to make accommodations for them to work it out. So then the kid feels safe to come to not only us, but to their parents. So we have a relationship all around. I feel like schools kind of adopt, adapt that. That'd be cool. But, you know, schools going through everything with the strikes and the, the no money and the overcrowding in school. So it's like so many problems everywhere. But I feel like with this first step, we're, we're getting somewhere where we're opening the first door where we're on the first level. We just have like 49 more levels to go. You mentioned having seen kids do things where you were surprised that they got in trouble and you've also seen kids do things that you felt like were pretty extreme and and they needed to be addressed can you give examples like what have you seen kids get in trouble for that just seems outrageous to you or just kind of like unnecessary um i've seen kids where we had like a 7-eleven across the street and the kids would still from that store and then bring it back to our school, you know, and there's stuff they shouldn't even have at school, you know, like soda and whatever. They were, I had that. I've seen kids 
bring drugs to school. And not, not like, like crazy drugs, but like cigarettes and stuff. And, um, you know, they're not supposed to have that, but then they would be smoking it, you know, leaving stuff on the wall, graffiti and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so we're just gonna give the kids attention and move on. I'm like, uh, if you, if this kid did this in the real world, he'd be arrested. So I, like, stuff like that. I feel like administration has to look at it like that. Like, we're prepping these kids for the real world. You know, this this whole school thing is not just the only thing they're going to know all their life. We need to be prepping them as citizens of the world. And so I feel like the punishment should match the action next to crime, very similar to real life. But at the same time, I've seen kids be suspended because, you know, um, I think there was one school, you know, the kid had too many absences. And so I was like, so that, you're just going to suspend them like that adds on to more. Like, that didn't make any sense at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Um, and then things like, I'm trying to think. There was one where, uh, the kid, I think, yeah, the kid was, like, he brought something to school. It wasn't exactly a weapon weapon, but it was definitely something that could have hurt someone and they had it in their backpack. They didn't suspend that kid. And I was like, we just had this talk. It was like two weeks ago, there was a school shooting somewhere and then this kid brought that and I was like, we're not going to suspend that kid. Yeah. Really? Really? Wow. So, it's just a mess all over and there's just things that we're picking up. But, again, there's so much going on in the administration or in a district where they're just trying to prioritize, and I feel like a lot of stuff is being left out. They're not listening to the teachers and the classified staff. They're just worrying about, you know, the budget, the test scores, all that. And so it, it, it's just a mess. But what the governor has done does, I feel like, open doors and is bringing that this type, this type of conversation into schools and districts where, okay, so now we know this is happening. What can we do to kind of go along with it you know you can't you can't you cannot ignore this law because i feel like some schools who have that crazy suspension rate they're gonna have been like oh now we're gonna have to figure out what is okay and what is not okay versus schools that i guess they just had a pretty nice system or they just let things slide by it's like oh we could just use this it's way way easier we don't have to cater to the kid. You could just suspend it, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I'm interested guys. in the phrasing of, you know, willful mm -hmm. defiance, right? Like if, based on this article, you know, a lot of things can fall under willful defiance, you know, like is not doing your homework willful defiance, you know? I mean, kind of somebody told you to do something, you didn't do it. And it it reminds me, you know, if we're, if we're thinking about defiant behavior, I feel like young people are usually pretty, pretty defiant, you know, elementary and middle school and high school, you're a young person and you're trying to find boundaries and get a sense of what's appropriate. And you don't really have control over the world. You know, it's like, there's always some adult telling you like, get out of bed, go to school, you know, like <laughs> go outside, come back here, get in bed, you know? Um, and it's a, an important part of childhood, I think, to kind of push those boundaries and find out what's appropriate and not appropriate. And that's, how school could potentially be valuable, right? It's like a safe place without a lot of real world consequences where you can intervene. You know, like you said, Kat being very involved in like a kid's home life, 
uh, and their life at school and building a trusting relationship. Um, but just kind of like doling out punishments uh, because somebody's being willfully defiant, which again, crazy phrase. It reminds me of, um, you know, a lot of my clients uh, are young people. You know, I, I uh, work for the public defender's office and a lot of the clients that we represent are young people, you know, so as young as 14, 15, 16, 17. And when they get incarcerated, you know, so people are always evaluated, you know, whenever someone comes into the criminal justice system or you go to a jail or something like you meet with a psych or they do some kind of evaluation, right, to figure out if you have a mental illness or whatever. And pretty much everybody gets a diagnosis, like no matter who you are, right? Um, partly because, you know, psychiatry is a little problematic because it's just giving a title to antisocial behavior. But like, just because you're antisocial doesn't mean you um, have a mental illness. But every kid I've ever had, if you're like 16, especially the guys, if you're a 16 year old boy and you go to jail, you always get diagnosed with something called oppositional defiance disorder, right? Which is just like, they should just give you that at the door. Like if you're a 16 year old boy, like, of course you're going to be defiant. You know, is that a disorder? Like, I don't know. It sounds like maybe either you're asking for help or you're testing boundaries or there's something going on where you need more support as opposed to a diagnosis, like a mental health diagnosis or something. And similarly at school, if you're acting out in a certain way, I mean, nothing, what I'm saying is like deep or groundbreaking, but if kids are acting out, like there's usually a reason for it. And it's an opportunity to engage them and engage their families and find out what they need and what they're getting or like teaching moments, you know? Uh, so every time I hear exactly. willful defiance, I'm just like, oh God, it sounds so like oppressive. It's like, like a, like a Kafka thing or an Orwell thing or something. You know, when we talk about oppressive societies, like, yeah, yeah like, oh, you're, you're going to jail for willful defiance. But like, I guess, I mean, depending on what you tell me to do, everything's willful defiance, you know, not paying my bills is willful defiance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Do we, do we not yeah. do my taxes do is willful send, defiance. They send people to jail like, for that. They do send people to jail for that. Exactly. <laughs> There are people, there are people, <laughs> wow. people that we know in the media that do that. That's and true. they're not in the jail, yeah, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, you raised that point earlier, talking about working in schools that have a lot of black or Latino kids and the percentage of them, you know, getting suspended. It's like if you're in a nurturing environment or if you enjoy a certain level of privilege, like the adults around you are going to do everything they can to try to keep you from getting into trouble. But if you're on the bubble or if you're from an expendable class or group of people, uh, yeah, you're just going to get suspended. No one's going to ask you what you need. Uh, and that's exactly what you're talking about, where some people get in trouble for not paying their taxes and some people do. Uh, so it makes me nervous. But again, I'm biased here because I had a terrible experience in school. I got kicked out of every school I went to. I got suspended all the time. I was always in trouble. And I have a lot of opinions about teachers based on the experiences I have with my teachers that are not fair, you know, because I know a lot of people now who are my friends and younger people who are teaching who are good people who want to help kids and are committed to the mission of educating our youth. But I still have this like hazy hangover from the totally dysfunctional and violent public schools of San Francisco of my youth, which were just like punitive environments that were preparing me for jail. 
basically. Now, I know that's dark, but <laughs> that's my take. <laughs> oh, but I I I very much agree. And and so so I grew up in Georgia. I grew up in the southern public school sector and um our schools were not built to be like prisons. Like I noticed in California, I was like, "Oh, you guys have school outside." Oh, you guys have a yard and the yard's very similar to a prison yard where it's like a block of yeah. concrete with some yeah. play structure thing. Um, the hallways are the sidewalks that run along the classrooms and there's a line that you must yeah. follow. Yeah. You must stay on that line. You're on the line. Yeah. You get yelled at, you know, I remember one of the first schools I worked at when I started in California, you know, they had to walk a certain amount of, uh, of space from the wall with their head forward and out and they had a bell that would you know that would ring for like lunch or whatever or if there's an announcement and it scared the crap out of me when it like rang because it sounded very alarming and just very like it would sh- it would yeah. shock you to your core like my ears were not accustomed. wait so how These did kids they tell like, you the oh, class was like, starting like, at your school like, in georgia like if they didn't have bells no we had bells but they sounded like you know, not like, like a wind chimes, a, like a like emergency <laughs> yeah. state emergency alert. Like it didn't sound like that. It sounded yeah. like dun dun. No, it's not loud. <laughs> Greetings, angels. <laughs> it was. It wasn't like. It was just normal, normal sound. Like if you go like in a, a sound library bell? and look for like classroom like bell that, yeah. or school bell, it it wasn't even like a ringing. It was just like a almost like almost like a a cowbell, like a, a triangle, like a. I guess it was like a cowbell kind of <laughs> in a way. I just know. I just remember it. It wasn't like it was soothing to the ears, but it was just like. Uh, alert that yeah. uh, that let me know. Okay, so it I have two minutes to get to class or whatever. It wasn't like, like doom is coming. oh my god, like, respond mm-hmm. to this or else. Yeah. Well, my my brother Matt, you you guys know Matt because we all did a show together. He's part of the Geek Squad here. He, in a lot of ways, is like very nonconformist. You know, so when he was in when he was a kid in school, mm-hmm. he like really resented the bell. He was like, I don't like the idea of just being like trained like a dog. When a bell rings, I gotta go be somewhere, yeah. you know. And he he re- his his opinions right. on education were a lot more. I mean, I I share some of these opinions, but like, it's really just preparing you for like a menial job somewhere. Like like school is less about. And again, these are not deep thoughts, but it's a lot less about like nurturing a whole human or even really teaching you about history, which is fine. And a lot more about just like a place for you to be while your parents work at their jobs <laughs> so that you're not distracting them from, you know, contributing to the economy right. and then preparing you to assume whatever jobs they had, you know, when you get out, it's about, you know, social control, you know, and, and socializing more than, more than acquiring knowledge or becoming a full human, you know, which again, not a revolutionary criticism, right. but if we're thinking about changing the rules about why people get into trouble Maybe it's worth reevaluating the system as a whole. Again, there are probably lots and lots of really smart educators out there listening and not listening or having these conversations. I just think like this kind of a policy change opens up a conversation about like, what is, why are we still doing this? Right. Uh, no, I definitely agree. And especially since um, I know at my job, I talk a lot about what I see versus how I was when I was a child. and. 
my school program and I noticed there are just things that they don't even teach anymore and I was like but that's so important because you know you're gonna need this and they're like nah like for one thing um I do a lot of um I I really help with kid little kids understanding mm-hmm. like their letters and stuff preparing them in the beginning stages of their life and I noticed that they don't teach a lot of phonics you know a lot of schools mm-hmm. these days have kids memorizing sight words that when they come to a word, they just have to know it, right. memorize it. You know, they have no really deep attachment to it. And when they're learning how to read, they just have to remember the, the letter sound. And you know how English is already a crazy <laughs> language, you know, yeah. especially if you're an English learner, yeah. you're, it's already against you. And so I was like, look, when I was in elementary, phonics was everything. It was fun. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it worked for me. Yeah, it definitely did. And the fact that I noticed a lot of elementary schools don't really focus on that. In fact, if they do teach a little bit of it, yeah. they don't call it phonics. They call it something else. And and, and so I was just mm-hmm. informed that phonics actually has five different stages when you're teaching it. And a lot of schools in California only teach the first two. So you're not getting the full experience when you are teaching these young children how to read. So that's already going against them as far as giving them the yeah. full spectrum of education. And so when I think about behaviorally how schools discipline kids, it's all over the place. You know, it's some of it's like, oh, yeah, we got it. We got the steps. You know, you, you have to have. For me, in my experience, if, if I'm if a kid's acting up, first of all, you have a set of expectations in your classroom. You have the step of discipline, like, okay, the kid didn't do this. I have to handle it with my thing, you know? The only time you're going to get admin involved is when, you know, you don't feel safe, the kids don't feel safe, they're damaging stuff, or it's, like, such a huge problem that you feel like you need support because you're going to have to contact parents or something. That's when you get admin. Um, I'm seeing a, in the past few years, I see a lot of teachers kind of wimp out on that where you know, the kid doesn't listen to them and they immediately call the principal. And I'm like, whoa, that's going from zero to 100. Like, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go out there and just be the tough guy. But then I hear from the teachers, like, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't like yelling at them. Now I'm like, so now you're causing them, you're enabling the behavior and they don't know what they're doing is wrong. Now they're going to go around to the next teacher thinking, I can do this because my teacher can do this, you know? And that's build, again, that's building upon kind of making them go down a wrong path and i i go through so many conversations about this because i'm like it's not about being the bad guys being that sensei in your life where you're like look i'm going to be nice but i'm going to be tough but i'm going to be on your side and for teachers to kind of teachers and admin to be kind of very fickle and be like oh yes if you need anything you know i will hug you i will love you i will call you great and stuff you know but when it comes doing the work it's like oh you can't do this i can't help you oh you're gonna be suspended oh you're gonna phone call home you know there's not really a nice system for the kids to have uh, a time where if they make a mistake for them to kind of get a chance to make it up or as uh if they make a mistake uh a, a punishment that fits the crime because it's either it's either gonna be too extreme or it's not gonna be extreme enough because the kid's just gonna be off balance either way that frustrates me when I hear and see that in yeah, a bunch of yeah. schools, you know? 
So, Clearly. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine say, yeah. these are the conversations <laughs> yeah, that happen I, in the teacher's lounge all the time, right? The appropriate way to handle situations like this. Everybody has an opinion on it. Uh-huh. Uh, I do want to ask you to, to chime in a little bit, Yiming, because I feel like you have an interesting take on this specific to Gavin Newsom and the way that he's approaching it. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, when I when I saw this article, like my initial feeling was like, I'm like, oh god, like this is why I didn't want to vote for you in the first place, because <laughs> um, right. I, I just like I kind of feel like he's coming at it as a parent, and not as someone who talks to teachers, right? Because um, I've been at I, I've been at the mm-hmm. same school for about three years now, and I'm not on staff, but I've I've seen a lot of the inner workings of how the school works. Like I'll hear them the the kids and then i'll hear the the staff talk in the in the staff room so i get a i have a very interesting perspective on this i think but um cats said a lot of things that were on the money the school i work at um it's it's a a very mixed group it's like black latino some white and a little bit of asian um so it it's quite the 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 melting pot of sorts i've a lot of the kids that get in the most trouble i feel the ones that i've worked with like they're very 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 smart and clever kids like they're not dumb like they know what they're doing most of the time yeah (laughs) so i feel like a lot of the issues that or the issue they're trying to 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 deter they're like skipping a step because in some cases like I get it. Like the teachers are like, you know, they're, they're out of support. They don't have a lot of resources. They can't do much. Like, yes, they'll get frustrated and like, and then suspend the kid because they're sick of it. It's been like a week of like them doing something like every day and they're not stopping. And that's in its own way legit because the kid needs to know that there's that if you're going to do something, there's a reaction to it. Not just like, Oh, you get, you get to like do, I don't know, whatever, thing they would do if not being suspended um so i mean so the kids that i've worked with who have been suspended quite frequently they're very bright they're very intelligent they they have a sense of right and wrong they're not like you know bad kids with like no sense of like left and right but i think a lot of them don't have like a support system to like guide them in a way to 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 prevent their behavior from becoming a thing where it's making the teachers mad. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um and I think I I think that there's like a step missing. Like if Gavin Newsom like rethought this bill, this law <laughs> a little bit and like went back to the drawing board and revised it in a way where it, it wasn't hurting like the classroom or the students or the teachers, like just just a better way of doing it. Cause I, I I really do feel like he's coming at it as a parent, not as like someone who cares about the classroom. Well when you say that, does that do you feel like this tool right. of suspension for willful defiance is like an important tool for teachers that he's taking away? Is that what you mean? No, no. I, I think it it makes it more confusing because because I was reading more about it and I'm still not even sure what classifies as willful defiance. Yeah. Could, I mean, I think it makes the teachers probably be like, well, what do I do? Like, what can I classify this as now in a way? So it it like it, it in some ways limits their options and They're makes it more diff- like, yeah. like making them like basically the pressure not to suspend, because if they do suspend, they're going to get backlash from blah, 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 because technically right. it's quote unquote against the law, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the distinction that I would make, or at least my reading of this is not like, 
all right, kids, green light or willful defiance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, tell your teacher to fuck off, uh, which is funny, by the way. <laughs> I like I like that idea. It's not a green light for that kind of behavior, but it is a stopgap, I think, for not necessarily responding with a suspension, right? Like, I think Kat spoke about this earlier, where, like, there's a way to address behavior that's not about getting someone in trouble as much as it is like supporting that kid or finding out what's going on or reminding that kid that when they're disruptive or, or defiant, like it affects everybody else's ability to learn. Like I, I personally think it's fine to address behavior that's defiant behavior that's disruptive or whatever. I'm not saying like kids should just do whatever they want, but I think using suspension as a tool, um, like it, it could be a harsh response, right? If, and and this is like this might be, and I don't know. Yeah. I I read a couple articles about it, but my reading of it, and maybe I'm being naive, is you know the governor of California trying to encourage educators and administrators to do what both you, Eming and Cat, are suggesting, which is like work with these kids. Like this is it's a challenge, and and the responsibility should be to intervene. And engage them and not just send them out of class and suspend them because that doesn't help anybody, you know? But again, I could be being naive. No, I mean, that's kind of how I was viewing it. And that's why I said this was a, a, a good stepping stone on this because it, it really does depend on the whole district, school, whatever. It depends on them and what they can do, you know? Um, I work. In a charter school, yeah, but I, we are adjacent to Oakland Unified, and Oakland Unified has its crazy little rules and whatever. And so I could just think about uh, how this can affect some of the schools, because some of the schools are really smart. Of they have a step program where if a kid does this much, you know, this they get detention, you know, they get the phone call home. The kid does this much, then you get suspended. Then you do this much, you get expelled. You know, I know when I was a child, there was a very clear step system, and kids knew their boundaries of, like, okay, if I do this, you know, that means I'm I'm going to get that because that behavior falls under that category. But this was like what over 20 years ago, and so times have changed. I feel like kids are mature mentally. They're more mature, but at the same time, their emotions haven't caught up to their mental ma maturity, kind of. And so they're they're all over the place. Like a kid can excel perfectly in class academically, but behaviorally they could be very low, or vice versa. Then you have a whole the for so for me, this whole section of suspension stuff we didn't even get to talk about, and this has been what I've been talking about for years about in special education. Now there are kids in special education. You know, we have different uh, rules for that, too. But in my in my line of work, I've always said, what do you do when a kid who's in the special education and they do know the rules of the school and classroom? What 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 should a school do when a kid actually breaks a rule, a school rule that actually does lead to suspension? According to the school rules, the kid has to be suspended. But because the school is scared of lawsuits or parent backlash you know they don't suspend the kid who's on the spectrum because they're like they're afraid <laughs> and i'm just like no you need to suspend this kid 
because this kid clearly knows. But only the teacher, you know, only the teacher and the parent knows. The admin does not have the time to know every student in the school. I get that. But I feel like as much as this thing has been introduced, I and the doors are being open, I, I'm really hoping in the future they create some kind of guidelines for, for special education because there's so many kids in that system, you know, they they shouldn't be forgotten as far as discipline as discipline. And I feel like they do. There's so many kids that, you know, uh, even with their learning abilities, even with their emotional abilities, their delayed learning, they know they have a good comp, com, uh, a good compass of like what is wrong and right. They've been taught from parents and teachers. And yet the school always, you know, turns a blind eye because they're afraid. They're they're afraid of understanding something that's different. And so the kid can do whatever. I and when I started working and a, a school a few years back, most of my students should have been suspended, but because the principal was like, "No, they they're in the they're in the program. We don't want to do that." I'm just like, first of all, this kid we had to take the we had to take the class out the classroom. This kid punched, kicked the teacher, and everything. You know, when he was done, he was like, "I'm sorry," and then he did it again the next yeah. week, and I'm just like. Yeah. So clearly, he, he learned yeah. nothing. So we need to have a, a right, and but again, the principal was not listening yeah. to us, and she just refused to do that. So the mom yeah. stepped in and was like, "I'm just going to keep him home. I'm going to do that." Like it, it was on the parent to be like, "I see what you guys are doing, and I understand my kid. My kid needs to be my kid needs to be suspended." Yeah. But because the principal was scared, you know, whatever, and I'm like, "But the kid is breaking school. Like we're like this." Breaking school rules, breaking everything. He's hurt. I had the kid hurt me. He left a mark on me, and so, you know, the the mom was like, "I'm just gonna keep him home. He's gonna be suspended in my eyes," you know. And so I'm just like, there's so much with this willful defiance. I feel like there are teachers that are like, "Yay, this is great," and then some teachers are just like, "I don't know what this means," and some teachers are just like, "Ugh, mm-hmm. that means I can't do what yeah. I want to make my class easier." Yeah. you know, it's all over the place it's not organized but at the same time it take it gives us the opportunity to really be like stop pull up we need to talk about this we need to discuss how we're going to function as a group and we're going to work on the same page i know so this is very clear to my head because we it's been like a month since school started and we've been having these meetings every week we've been way way better at my job as far as that kind of behavior and so we got it and so i'm like cool we're all on the same page we keep each other, you know, in, in communication and, and, and everything. But, I mean, my school is a small school. We're a charter school. We know pretty much the parents and everything. Something, a, a school that's bigger and stuff, it would be harder. But I really wish there was some way for that to, to create kind of like a community where we're not just suspending kids or we're not uh, punishing kids because, you know, you put your personal feelings, like, there are times where I've heard of teachers, you know, the kid made the teacher mad. And so the, the teacher in retaliation was yeah, just like, you know, I'm going to spin you. And it's like, you can't do that. Mm. You can't do that. Right. Yeah. But it's like, no, that's what yeah. defiance. You didn't listen to me. So you're gone. You can't sit down. You can't you can't yeah. do my work in my class. You can't. No, you're gone. You know, there's so yeah. many teachers where they do that. You know, I feel like there's a difference between teachers that do that versus the kid just being a whole delinquent and it's like well if you're wasting yeah. my time you can leave like that's a whole difference you know where the kid's just like i have all this against me i'm just trying to function 
and the teacher's just like, I'm fed up. Yeah. You don't care. I don't care. Bye. Versus yeah, the kid that's just yeah. like, there's a you difference. know, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a whole difference. And I feel like that thing kind of yeah. see that because I've seen both sides and I'm just like, yeah, like, can we at least talk about, I don't know. I feel like admin or someone's yeah. great as it's either too busy I mean, or they don't problem, want to. I think that, that's the next step for me. It's like, okay, cool. Identifying yeah. what the problems are. I still feel like this is kind of a step in that direction. I don't, you know, there's no way to under like, to see what the consequences will be, right? Like, how is this going to actually play out? Um, and is it going to solve the root problem? Um, but it right. is an attempt at, I think it's an attempt at what you're suggesting, which is minimizing the use of punishment um, because a kid might have challenges, minimizing use of punishments because the teacher's in a bad mood, you know, and moving away from a punitive structure and more into a structure of intervention. I mean, I I already mentioned, full disclosure, I got suspended a bunch of times when I was a kid. One time, I mean, there are a lot of stories. We'd be here all night if I told you guys the stories about why I got suspended. But one time was like, yes, I should have gotten suspended. And, but there's a lot of context. I was in woodshop class and I was in, I was in seventh grade. And Washington. Oh, Washington. Uh, no, it was middle, oh, middle school. school. I was at Roosevelt. Oh, I was at Roosevelt. Okay. Yeah. And we had a substitute teacher, right? Which is like always a recipe for disaster. <laughs> substitute teacher. <laughs> and the substitute teacher, like in the middle of class, was like, oh, uh, I'll be right back, guys. I got to go feed the parking meter. <laughs> right? So the teacher left the classroom. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. I don't know, man. I thought I was like a little Bart Simpson or something. And and I had a lot of authority issues and I thought, well, we can't let this opportunity get passed without seizing on it, right? Like the authority figure has left the room. Something must be done, right? So we have to. So, uh, you know, I, I there right. are a lot of details right, right, right. I'll skip, but I happen to have a bottle rocket with me, like a little firework bottle Just rocket. Just happen to have in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was. Your, I didn't have the bottle backpack. part. Like it was a. It was a bottle <laughs> rocket that had been separated from the stick. You know, bottle rockets are usually like on a long little wooden stick. So I like had taken it off. And who could say why I was carrying it around with me? I had all kinds of mischievous things on my person that I that I shouldn't have brought this book. I was yes, I was Bart Simpson. You were Bart Simpson. Oh my god! So I took it out, and we had like we had split lunches. There were too many kids in the school, so like while one period was going on, half the kids were at lunch, and they switched. (laughs) So I took I took the bottle rocket, put it on the windowsill. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had a lighter, lit it. That's a different story. Lit it, and the bottle (laughs) rocket went flying right out into the schoolyard, and there was like a group of kids hanging out, like a a group of girls, and it just like went into the group. Like nobody got hurt or anything, but it was like a big deal. It was hugely disruptive. It was completely insane. And as soon as I did it, I just like ducked out of the window because I was like, oh, I know all the kids are gonna look in the window and see who did it. You know, and I had two. They weren't really accomplices. I just had two friends who were like, "Oh, I want to see what goes down here." You know, so. You know, moment of heroics, right? One of my <laughs> finest moments in middle school. Sat back down. Teacher came back. Nobody knew anything. And then minutes later, um, the vice principal showed up in the classroom and grabbed not me, but my two friends, the guys who didn't duck out of the window and pulled them downstairs. And I stayed in my seat and I was like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is very bad. Like, these guys are my friends. They're getting in trouble for something they didn't do. 
So I ran downstairs to tell, you know, they brought him to the counseling department or whatever. And I went in to tell them like, hey, Miss Jackson, Miss Fitzgerald, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, Ian and Jen. It was I, it was me, you know, and the counselors were like, all right, fine. And they sent Ian and Jen back upstairs. Uh, and but it was a big deal. I mean, it's an explosive device. You know what I mean? Like there's gunpowder in those things. So nobody knew what to do. No one in the cat. They were like, should we call the police? You know? And so they said, no, we got to go to the principal, the big dog, Mr. Corsilia. And Mr. Corsilia, just like he was whatever. It's shout out to Mr. Corsilia, wherever you are. You were just holding it down. Middle school principal could not have been an easy life. And they brought me into that office and told him uh, he set off a firework out of the, out of the window and it flew into a group of kids. And Corsilia was like in the middle of something. He's like, uh, yeah, fireworks. I think that's five days. And he pulled like a little handbook off the the shelf. And he like turned. He's like, uh, yeah, fireworks. Yeah, it's a five day suspension. Close the book, put it back on the shelf and then went to go do whatever else he was doing. Right. So I got suspended for five days. There's a lot in that story. <laughs> but uh, to me, I don't know how effective it was for me as a young person to just be like, all right, you know. Now I know what the exact like mathematical repercussions are of like this specific act. You know, it was like the fact that it was quantified, like nobody ever sat down and was like, dude, that was so dangerous. Like you could have hit a kid. You could have like set something on fire. You know, like there's so many terrible things that could have happened. Also, it's such an outrageous act. Young Russell, what is going on in your life? You know what I'm saying? Like nobody asked me the questions that you guys asked. Why did you have fireworks in your pocket? Why did you have a cigarette lighter in your pocket? Why did the teacher leave the room? Right. Where was the teacher? Nobody asked any right. of these questions, right? So I'm not trying to excuse myself right. for doing something crazy because that was definitely crazy. But there are a lot of real questions that could have been asked to figure out like, well, substitute teachers should not leave or any teacher should not leave class in the middle of the day. Right. And if, if you're doing something this outrageous, then maybe there's something going on with you. Maybe you need some help or support or whatever. So instead, I just took my five-day suspension and went back and nobody ever talked to me about it again. I mean, I was a legend. For sure, as far as the other, as far as the other kids were concerned, um, but I just took the hit, you know, because I was like, all right, five days no school, whatever. I, I don't, at that point, I didn't care. That was kind of my attitude about school anyway. Um, and I guess that's a very long way of saying that like suspensions don't really help kids. And I think that's kind of a no brainer. Even though you have to have consequences, I don't know that that's necessarily the best consequence. There's a lot of other stuff we can be doing to support kids, you know. <laughs> I'm glad I got to tell that story. I haven't told that story in forever, hey. guys. Thanks hey. for uh, having us show about back to school so that I could bless you with my, aunt, my seventh grade Sorry, antics, which in hindsight, wow. I mean, if you did that now, that would be a straight up terror attack, bro. Like would, you would right. be, and- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Yes, straight up expelled, right. probably criminal probably charges. expelled. Like this was, I was in the pre-Columbine era when it was just like kind of anything goes, you know? You lucked out. You lucked um, out. I did. Right. I, got, I got away with a lot right, more than right, I would right. have, but I got caught doing everything I did. I was just one of those kids that got even if I didn't do something, I got caught for it. Um, because I just was a, a, a magnet for trouble. <laughs> right. I, I, I know, was. I know. I was. I'm I remember. But but like the educator in me was just like, look, I would really have liked to talk to you. I would have Yeah, you probably would have been suspended, but I would have had some kind of like I need you right, and then I would have to like let, make you write like a report Boom. about yeah. you know the history of fireworks. Why do fireworks are used? Why are fireworks not used in schools? I would yeah. have had you written about it. 
You know, yeah. I would have had you clean up the school um, every Saturday exactly. morning because I'm like, look, that could have damaged the the, the property. Yeah. So now you got to clean up the property, you know, and then like, right. Sorry. Like, I would have had you do all that because that's what you do when you're doing community service when you're in jail. So it's like it kind of is similar to that. But at the same time, I again, that's with jail. Like, I feel like. Why are people being sent to jail? Why don't yeah. we have centers where we money. Can educate them <laughs> on why, on That's the why, why, how we can help them, you know? And again, and then I also have another question because I didn't read, I have not read the bill in its, in its entirety. So does the bill say anything about what teachers or whoever needs to do instead or give you suggestions of like, Oh, so if you are going to do this, what are you need to make sure to talk to the kid or whatever? Do they give any de- any extra details on? I what mean, what they they've said is that or is- they ban okay. suspensions for willful defiance, which is a broad category, and part of the problem is that the category is so broad. Um, they're not limiting teachers. You know, the the quote is, and the person who wrote the bill said. We want the teacher to be able to teach their class and not have disruptive students, but we also want to minimize suspensions, right? So they're kind of trying to appeal to both sides there. Um, and it says that teachers can still remove students from the classroom for willful defiance, right? Like if you're being disruptive and other kids aren't learning and you can't, you know, do your lesson plan or whatever teachers are supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're trying to encourage teachers to do something that's more engaging. And just like get you out of my face for a couple of days and think about it, like sending someone to their room. I mean, that's you know, I've I've been to all these symposiums about solitary confinement because you know they're trying to get rid of solitary confinement in a lot of different jurisdictions. It's like the next frontier of criminal justice reform. And something that somebody said in there that was really interesting to me is like solitary confinement is so ingrained in our culture. That's like the first thing you do to punish a kid, like when they get in trouble at home. It's like go to your room, right. you know. <laughs> And maybe there's like some therapeutic value there, or maybe there's like a bit of human mm-hmm. like psychology going on there that we don't understand. But we're just so trained that when someone does something wrong, just mm-hmm. to ostracize, right? Like you're you were disruptive, yeah, yeah. You were disruptive at the dinner table. Right. You, you can't know, be with us, room, right? Yeah. Or like you you're talking during class, like go to the principal's office. You know, like you've done something disruptive to this community. Go home. You can't be a right. part of it. It's like shunning. You know, and I don't know that that's always the most effective thing. Public shutting. Yes. Right. Do I that one kid we had about two summers ago? He came in with that group yeah. of kids that um, their their camp was in the fire or near the fire. And we got a bunch of new folks and he like didn't want to do anything. He He's wanted to play video games and and nothing yeah. we gave him he wanted to do. And both of us were like exhaust. We were just done. <laughs> Like we spent like the first two. I think it was Wednesday. <laughs> by the time we were like done, <laughs> Wednesday. Right, right, right. You, you were mad. I I've never seen you that mad before. That was that was new. I, I I was so shocked. Yeah, I know. I saw it. And then we had him go to the I want to say, uh, first grade. Yeah, and he like actually like had fun there. Like he enjoyed helping them. He liked us and doing that. Yeah, he really, and I'm really glad that worked out. So I was like, hey, um, so he doesn't want to be in my class at all. When he's in my class, he's doing whatever, mm-hmm. damaging equipment, not right. not listening to us at all. The computer. Um, I, I forgot about I, that. He, 
That's why I was. Oh, that was why I was really yeah, mad because I, I was like, so "Now you're now you're hitting my yeah, equipment." Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that so now we you're crossing my line. I remember now. That was number one. Uh, that was rule number one on my right. first on Mondays. So knowing that, and I, again, this is because we have a really great system as far as our admin system. We have a really great admin system that's just very flexible. They're all about emotions and stuff. So it's awesome that we have the ability to not just be like, "Oh, we got to call." Um, this kid's parents in him home. No, we didn't have to do that. We had made adjustments where the kid is still learning and having fun, and um, he's not being punished because it's like I get that you might not like this. That doesn't mean I'm going to yeah. have to be make your life a miserable a miserable hell. What we can do is still take that energy and redirect it somewhere where you're learning. And you're helping, you know, you're contributing. That's part of life. You are contributing. You're not just taking and damaging and doing whatever. You're taking that energy and that focus and you are growing and building and helping, you know. And that worked out. And he actually had a great week. I had a great week. I checked on him. He was happy. I was happy that he was happy. <laughs> it was great. And that yeah. that really opened my eyes because I was just like, I am, I am done with this kid. But it was well, what's interesting to me about, did you say, Yiming, that this kid was displaced by the fires? Mm -hmm. Like, well, of course yeah, he's so going to be having with, a hard time. The, like, the fires you know? Well, no, no. Well, the, the camp he was at was an outdoor camp. And our camp, our camp was an indoor camp. So it was very, very different in general. So he was coming into a region where we are at a computer all day long, basically. And... The object of that class was to get these kids to film videos, to go outside, to film stories or whatever, whatever. But this kid just wanted to sit in front of the computer and he wanted to play a video game. And that wasn't an option. So he was like, and we spent like two days like trying to like give him ideas, sit with him and talk to him. But he was just so, his, his mind was so focused on this one thing that he wanted to do. Any and, option we and he was, was very like, nope, disrespectful nope, too. Because nope, nope, I was nope, just like, nope, oh, nope. oh. Yeah, yeah but I mean, what I'm suggesting is like, imagine the level of trauma that you experience if you're displaced, like you by a fire, right? You're talking about the fires in California last year. He was like displaced by those fires. No, no, not those brain? fires. It was, it was. His camp, his yeah. camp was his, displaced. His camp, oh. not his home. He, he his lived, camp. He came, he, his home was fine. His camp right. was not available. Not available. So he, I burned down. He was like looking at it as like, oh, I was going to, I feel like, first of all, first of all, this kid, because I, 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 I would talk to him. He didn't really like camp. He literally said, you know, he's, he went to these things because his dad was too busy for him, kind of, because his parents. Wow, Steve Morris. But insight. you know me. That's because I'm nosy and I'm just like, what's going on with you? And so, that's good. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, way. so he felt comfort in playing games. And I was like, I get that, but you can't do that, you know? And so when I talked to him, yeah. I said, you know, I really enjoy having you in my class, but I feel like this is better for you to do that, you know, and let me know if that's how, what, what are your thoughts on that? He goes, I like helping the little kids and I like being like a, like a teacher's assistant, you know, uh, I'm fine. And then like, I would yeah. check on him daily and he was like, I'm having fun. And then like when his parent, his dad would come pick them up, you know, he, he was, he was okay. Everyone was okay at the end. We all survived. It was great. And so I, I look at it as like, it was, yes, it was a tough situation. It could have gone wrongly. You know, we could have done the, the, the super easy way and make this kid's week miserable, but we didn't. Worked it out. We oh, figured yeah. it out. Everyone was happy, alive at the end. And so, yeah. So 
that was a great example, Amy. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, of as far I as wish life. you guys had been my teachers when I was a kid. You sound a lot friendlier <laughs> and more calm. Well, oh I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a pretty I cool mean, teacher. I'm like Miss Brizzle for real. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely like Miss Brizzle. The kids, <laughs> the kids call me like you're like Miss Brizzle from the magic school bus. I was like, all I need is a school bus, and it, it would it would go down. Like that's wow. that's the kind of education. That's Right. And it's like because of the teachers I've had, my mom is a teacher. A lot of people in my in my life are teachers. And I'm like, for what I saw growing up, you know, (laughs) things were were fine, but it could have been better. And knowing how the generation are or how the generation is, you got to be a different kind of educator than you were back then. So, like, I always get into it with educators who've been teaching for 40 years because they're like, things have changed. I don't like it. I'm just going to stick to the same thing. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're going to be miserable. Yeah. The kid's going to be miserable. It's all miserable. And so they're like, well, how do you do it? You're just a child. First of all, I'm not a child. I'm a child. <laughs> I just like, I approach that like, look, these kids are with us for like eight hours or more a day. You know, I understand you're going to get yeah. times where kids are going to go crazy. And you're like, man, I just, you know, you're going to say some crazy stuff. The best thing you need, you still need to do is just be that listening, kind ear. But at the same time, don't be afraid of putting the law on them. Kids need guidance. You know, they're, they're built to test boundaries. Like, that's what they do. And that's why when it comes to, again, like how you talked about arresting people, children who are 16, 17, and, 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 and that age, that's ridiculous because mentally, they still have the mind of a child. It's been pro, it's been known yeah. that you know, our brains aren't really fully formed until we're like 22, 23, up to 25, you know? And so all that stuff that, well, not like serious stuff, I'm not talking like murder stuff, but like stuff that you're like, why are you in jail? Why are you thrown with grown people who have done stuff? Yeah. That's really messed up. Yeah. You're putting children yeah. in such a, a crazy place. And again, you know, schools and prisons are linked. So you're building the child to be along its way so that the corporation is making money and so that brings me back to why i was trying to go back to a few minutes ago i feel like uh maybe the bill now i'm not sure but this is just because i'm like i like to do theories and stuff i feel like in my experience uh with a lot of suspensions and stuff a school has a quota you know they were probably like the quota is too high there's too much going on and like what amy says you know He's coming from as a parent. So he's hearing stuff from where his children go to school. And the parents are complaining like, oh, da, da, da. So I feel like, and knowing how the budget funds in the school, in, in California education, right. it's like it's whack. Yeah, right. So when we're getting right. grants and stuff, and I know this from being a charter school, when you're getting grants, they make you, they make you jump through some crazy hoops. They make you reaform your school in such a crazy way where the teacher's like, this doesn't make sense. But we got to do it anyway so we could get the money. So I'm wondering if this bill is tied towards maybe keeping a certain amount of suspensions or something so that schools are getting more funding or that more more money is going towards somewhere else. You know, I I always think about that. Like, why is it now? Is there money? It raises a lot of questions. It definitely raises a lot of questions about the motivation, what the implementation will be what the consequences are. Uh, but as always, I'm an optimist. And my what? initial read is that this is an attempt to address 
part of the problem that we've been discussing tonight. Who knows if it's the right well, attempt. Right. And I agree. Um, but I, I'm I an optimist too. That. But my realist yeah. side is like, when it comes to education, there, there are some things that are always highly prized and that's data and money. And so he looked at that data. I was like, oh, this is crazy. But then I know money has to be maybe involved. Like, I feel like it might be a motivation. Who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if something along, like, down the road comes along about you get a grant for having not a lot of suspensions or for doing what the bill said or something, something. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be like, oh. Yeah, that's got to be part of it. Anything that's happening at the state level has to include all those different factors. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, this has been very illuminating for me. So thanks to both of you as educators with recent experience trying to accommodate, encourage, foster, nourish America's youth. Hats off to you. I feel like you guys don't get enough recognition. And hats off to you for being way cooler than the teachers I had when I was an incorrigible child in San Francisco <laughs> public schools, just trying to find my way. Um, I'd like to revisit this topic. You know, I mean, once we have, once some time passes and we see what this actually looks like, you know, maybe we can bring in a teacher, um, who has different insights or has, has, can, can see the consequences of this implementation to revisit it. Cause there's a lot here to talk about, but I think we got off to a good start. Um, and I got to tell my setting off a firework at school story. So <laughs> all in all, pretty good episode in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thanks to you, Pat, for coming on as always. Come on all the time. We, we love having you. And I can't wait to hear the inaugural episode. Coming of in October, off, probably. Which we can talk about later. Coming in October. It's no, coming it's coming in October. In October. So. I wanted to be in the month of October. All right. The perfect month coming for in so October. many reasons. Spooky, yeah. so next Spooky month. month. <laughs> always a good time. Kick off some geek action. Yeah, so look out for Cat's show. Eming, thanks for chiming in. I know I always have to drag you out, but once we do, um, we reap the rewards. She's already <laughs> here. Just occasionally I say something that's not dumb, and I'm like, yay, go me. Every time you on the <laughs> No, no. Sometimes I have word vomit. It's It, it happens. Listen, it happen. everything I say I'm, on this show is word vomit. You know what oh, I mean? Blah, blah, I'm just spinning it. I'm Russell. I'm so masochistic, even though I know I'm amazing. <laughs> what? Wow. What? Wow. That, was, that was really quite a roller coaster. I mean, Whoa, this is a whole other topic we must address in the future. Maybe address it on my podcast. Insult. <laughs> Basically, like, of unveiled threat. Uh, but I buried in there somewhere was a compliment, and I'll take it. So thank you. Thank you very much, Eman, for being supportive as always. And thanks to our listeners. Uh, check us out next time. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.